Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, could a protective spirit serve as protection against littering and vandalism in a local park? After suffering a violent death, could the spirit of an elderly woman be the dark energy plaguing the stairs? And a family becomes accustomed to the protective entity that keeps the children safe from potential harm. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony Bruski in with you this evening, this day, whatever you want to call it. Jenny Bruski has the day, evening, whatever you would like to call it off, whenever you may be listening to this program, so thank you for joining us very much. If you like the show, please consider becoming an EPP on our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. You get uh, all the uh, bonus episodes of our show, which are 28 now in total you get uh, access to, and of course a brand new one every single week that we put together for you, and access to that video, Spirits in the Air, you can see what we look like, and uh, check out uh, quite an interesting adventure inside a haunted airport airport that we took so uh, or former airport it's it's no longer an active uh, airport but a very interesting uh, interesting video there for you for uh, our EPP so check that out realghoststoriesonline.com uh, the five dollars a month goes to keep our show on the air uh, so please consider uh, doing just that our number is 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us we would absolutely love to hear it and uh, let's kick off the show today with a uh, letter. This one comes into us from Kay. And Kay writes in, Okay, for starts, I've been listening to your show here for a little while now, and I just love it. I've always been interested in hearing other stories about the paranormal and supernatural. Backstory on me, I'm from Ohio, and I come from a family that is very big into the paranormal. My father is gifted with the ability to feel ghosts along with his father and grandfather, so on and so forth, all the way back in my family as long as they can remember. Following behind my father and grandfather, I was gifted with the same abilities. I can hear and see them and communicate as easily as you would talk to someone sitting next to you. Sometimes it can be rather interesting and other times scary. I'm the only girl out of a 200-year line of men with these abilities as well, so it's rather fun, I think. Anyway, there is one of many stories... I wanted to share with you from when I was about 15 to 16 years old. In my little town, there's a teen center that all local kids can go and hang out, play games, listen to music, have battle of the bands, just a really fun, safe place to go and be a kid while under the watchful eye of a local retired cop who put this teen center together to help keep the local youth out of trouble. Well, I was there on Saturday night with my friends doing what 15-year-old kids do, goofing off, running around, having a good old time, when the teen center is located on one side of our park and the park is closed after dark. Unaware of this, my friends and I are playing around in the park and one of the local officers that helped run the teen center came and asked us to get back to the other side of the park. My friends ran off and I stayed with the officer and was walking back to the center. While doing so, I was talking to the officer, asking him random questions about his job, and I pulled a piece of gum out of my pocket to put the wrapper back into the pocket of my hooded jacket and kept walking. After taking two or three steps, we heard this high-pitched voice yell, Pick it up! I stopped, and the officer stopped, and we both looked back. He looked down at me and asked if I had heard that. I giggled and then said, Yeah, I did. He then pulls out his flashlight to see who was talking to us. 
start feeling around in my hooded jacket pockets to see what was missing. While the officer was looking around, the gum wrapper caught the light of his flashlight. That was the only thing that had fallen. I walked over to it and picked up my gum wrapper and put it in the pocket of my jeans and skipped back over. The officer asked, Are we good now? I shook my head and we turned to leave. And we heard the same high-pitched voice yell at us, Thank you! I giggled again and kept skipping up to the teen center. The poor officer was shook up and wasn't sure what to think. He made sure I didn't leave his sight till my father came to pick me up from the center at 10.30 p.m. I didn't tell my friends what was going on, but when I got in the car with my dad, he asked me if I had a good time. I said, of course. He asked if anything interesting happened, and I told him about the voice, and he ended up getting a good laugh out of it as well. Since then, I've shared this story with some of my friends who have also heard the high-pitched voice telling them to pretty much clean up their mess before they leave. Well, that's one of many stories I wanted to share with you guys. I'll email you again at a later date with more. I have one ghost I really wanted to tell you about, but there's a lot that goes into his story that I don't have time to tell you now. Anyway, you two are awesome. Love your show. Keep it up. Can't wait for the next episode to release. Later, guys. Very interesting story there. I've never heard of a uh, a ghost that was, I guess, uh, obsessed with the cleanliness of the park. But you can't really blame them. I mean, you got to think if uh, this is something in a place where they're stuck, maybe, or they just frequent. Uh, I think I'd want it a little clean, too. You know, especially if you can't uh, be the one that's going to curate the park and pick it up on your own. I mean, it's one thing if you're living in the park and you want it to be clean and you're going to go around and clean it up as a human being, but you're pretty much just relying on the goodwill of whoever's going to the park to not make it a mess. So it's probably one of those things where in real life they were probably very, very much concerned uh, and and into cleanliness. Uh, and it probably is just one of those traits that maybe transfers on in death. I think that makes a lot of sense of it, a lot of the traits that we have. Probably good and bad, unfortunately, uh, still are carried with us onto the, the other side. I don't know. What do you think? Our number is 855-853-4802. Share your real ghost story with us. We would love to hear it. Of course, you can also write in on our website at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your stories. Jordan writes in, Hello, I'm a new listener, but I'm enjoying the show so far, and I thought I'd share some of my experiences. I lived with my grandma for a few years as a teenager in her fully finished basement. It was pretty nice. The basement had its own full bath and kitchen, two bedrooms and a living room. Once I was laying on a very on the very edge of my bed, talking on the phone with a girl I was dating, the center of the bed slowly depressed as if someone had lain down next to me. A few minutes later, it slowly went back up, like whatever it was had gotten up. Another time, while alone in the house, I was in the computer room or the library. It was right above my room. I started to hear voices coming through the vents. They were indistinct at first, and they sounded like there were different voices that were getting louder. When I heard a laugh track play, I realized my TV was on and rapidly changing through channels. This was double strange because not only was I alone, but my TV wasn't hooked up to the cable and only picked up static. When I got down to my room, the TV was off. Grabbed my keys and I ran. One of the other memorable occurrences was when I was awoken from a deep sleep because my bed was vibrating and shaking so hard. I remember thinking to myself, should I be scared of this? Nah, too tired. And immediately going back to sleep. Once, as I was packing some things into my car to leave, I noticed Grandma's normally shy and docile cat hissing and jumping at the patio door. I looked to see a a tennis ball size um, of light, size ball of light outside. It floated slowly down in a zigzag pattern, then shot up very quickly and darted around to the side of the house. I went out to investigate, but found nothing. The scariest part of living there was always the stairs, however. Whenever I'd go up the stairs, I always felt like someone was right behind me. It was so intense that I knew something had to be there. It was so bad for me that it got to the point that I'd either have to sprint up them as quickly as I could or walk up them sideways with my back against the wall. I'm not the only person who experienced things there. Pretty much everyone who was at that house for 
more than a day or so would have something happen. Before my grandpa passed, he told me about his first wife, Wilma, who lived in the house. Wilma had a very bad drinking problem and would often hide in her room and drink. To cover the crinkling sound, the brown paper bag, it came in made. She would make loud coughing noises. Grandpa would call her out on this by saying, Oh, you're coughing again. After Wilma died, a violent death after drinking drain cleaner, Grandpa would still sometimes hear the coughing from her room. One night, my girlfriend had to stay with us due to a family emergency. Grandma wasn't going to let her stay with me, so she slept in my grandpa's room, which he had passed away a few months before. It was a stormy night, and at one point, she told me, lightning flashed, and she saw a man in the mirror behind her as she was lying in bed. When she described the man, she perfectly described my grandpa, whom she had never met. There was always something strange going on at that house, and I have a hundred stories from Grandma asking why I was walking outside of her room at night when I hadn't been, up to the constant scratching and tapping on the walls, to my friend seeing a face in the dark, empty room. For now, though, I'll stop, as this is getting a lot longer than I intended. I hope to share more in the future, though. Thanks, and take care. I think one of the creepiest things that could ever happen, uh, it's never happened to me, but if it ever did, I think I would, I'd be perpetually really kind of freaked out and, and uncomfortable in a place where I'd like to be comfortable, and that's in, in my bed. You know, you're like, it's a place of peace and rest, you know, hopefully. And uh, if I were to look over one day and see a depressed part of the bed, literally pushed down as if someone was there, or they're sitting on it or laying in it, and they're next to you or it's next to you because you don't know what it is, but there's like the physical weight there, that would be, I think, one of the more troubling things. I think that'd almost be more troubling than actually seeing an entity. Yeah, because you don't necessarily know what it is. If you're just seeing the weight having an actual effect on something in our normal environment. And what would be most perplexing, and, and I guess the worst part about it is, I think it would be very difficult to get a good night's sleep ever again in that bed. And then that could just lead to a whole myriad of other issues that could come up down the line if you're getting lack of sleep, and that could lead to so many other problems that then uh, whatever is living in your house could feed on. It could just be this, you know, circle of bad, if you will, uh, all stemming from that uh, that encounter of, of what was that. Interesting uh, other part of that story was when they were making note of the orb and the uh, the direction that it moved in that sounds very much like the orbs we see on camera where it zigzags kind of stops goes up goes down and then over clearly not a piece of dust you know not at all very interesting thanks for writing in that uh, that story to us today numbers 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us of course you can also write in on the website realghoststoriesonline.com Com. Let's go to a caller. Let's go to Nicole. Hi. Hi, this is Nicole calling from California. Um, wanted to share a story. Um, not sure if it's really a ghost story, but I just thought it was a weird experience. Um, I stayed up at a Marriott up in Sacramento with my boyfriend. Um, we were having a fight at the time, a really big fight at the time. Um, we were arguing, laying in bed, complete darkness, seventh floor, uh, curtains were pulled we were in bed and we just finished talking and um, I don't know what it was but my eyes were closed and there was a light that was so bright that I couldn't open my eyes and I kind of you know moved my head and put my hands over my eyes and said stop what are you doing and I thought maybe he had his cell phone flashlight and was messing around or something, but he did the same thing. We kind of looked at each other like, what was that? And, you know, I thought maybe helicopter, you know, lights or anything, but there's no way because the shades were pulled. We're on like the seventh or eighth floor. Just a really weird experience. So I'm not sure if that was something telling us to cut it out or <laughs> what the deal was, but just thought it was a weird experience. Um, thanks, guys. 
Thanks for calling in, Nicole, and sharing that uh, that experience with us. Very interesting and, and obviously unexplainable. The other thing that would come to my mind, and I'm sure you probably did check this out, is to see, um, was there any sort of, you know, sometimes at the tops of, of taller buildings, you have the the spotlights that are are mounted on the outside of the building and if one were to be pointed into a room i could see that being rather bright but i also can't imagine that a hotel would place one uh, to ever shine directly into a room at that sort of a level you know unless it's out of focus or it's pointed the wrong direction but I'm, i'm guessing that's probably not the case something i'm guessing was trying to to make you stop having that argument uh, and, and you needed some sort of a distraction to essentially kind of cease and desist <laughs> or whatnot and uh, maybe that's just you know it needed you to cool down or something I, I, I could see that that being one of those watchful over type spirits doing that so thank you for calling in and sharing your story with us. If you've not done so already, please be sure to press subscribe, whatever platform it is you listen to us on. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, uh, there's a lot of them that uh, that we're out there on now. So uh, you press subscribe and uh, that will allow every single brand new episode to uh, arrive right there for you. You don't have to search for it. You don't have to guess what's the new episode. It's just right there. Super convenient. Helps us grow and uh, it's uh, convenient for you too. So it's a win-win there. Hey, James, writes in so i've written in a few times before and since then i've been listening to the podcast from the beginning the very first episode i noticed more than a few episodes about dreams and the different kinds people have had those that are purely biological created entirely by the individual and those that involve someone or something outside of the individual already mentioned a few of the latter type of dreams in another letter, so I won't go over them now. I will instead go over the other interesting dreams that I've uh, had and explain what I think about them and why, if I can, as far as dreams of my own creation. I'd have to say the scariest ones I've ever had is probably very similar to the worst nightmares of other people with little to no vision. As I mentioned before, I'm legally blind. A very little depth perception, so going down steps, even if there is only one or two, is always scary when I go somewhere I've never been before. And to this day, I still don't like going down steps that I have known for years. In this dream, I'm at the top of a very steep, long staircase with no rails and nothing but darkness all around me. I am at this point already starting to freak out, even though part of me knows it's a dream. That's how long the staircase is. But I have to find my way down to solid ground, so I put my cane out and let it travel the step before me and then drop down to the next one because the steps are so steep, I actually stand the cane up so I know where to put my feet. Start to take a step, my foot hovering above the the step next to the cane, and then the cane does something that is next to impossible. It shatters, and I fall forward and to the side, falling into the darkness, and then I wake up. I've had a couple of dreams over the years about places I'd never been to prior to having the dream, and then I've gone to the place in my dream years later. The interesting thing about these dreams is that in each dream, it's obviously well into the night and or early morning because every window I see is totally dark, but then when I get to the place later on, it's always in the middle of the day, but I can tell that it is the same place. One of these places is even located in a part of my home, in Michigan, my home state in Michigan, that my family and I have never been to before. It's also worth noting that I can't drive because I'm legally blind. I also believe I've had a couple of -of out-of-body astral projection experiences. When I was born, my parents lived in what was then my grandparents' house, so it was home for me before I even knew where home was. Over the years, I visited this house as often as I could because my family has always loved to get together to talk and make and eat a lot of good food. A few years ago, I had a dream I was in the house. This was after my grandpa had already passed and my grandma was living on her own. In this dream, I was sitting on the floor in the dining room. The lights in the room were off. I could see my grandma sitting in the next room in one of her favorite chairs, which I now have. She passed last summer and no one else wanted either of her favorite chairs except for me. And she was playing solitaire on the coffee table. I didn't want to move because I didn't know what was going on and didn't want to scare her in case she could see or hear me. 
The weird thing is, my eyes were half open, and I felt like if I opened them, I would wake up. Again, not wanting to frighten my grandma, because I wasn't sure what she would see, I did just that, and then I fell back to sleep for the rest of the night. A year or so later, I had another dream similar to the one I just mentioned. I was sitting on the floor again, but this time, I was in the living room where my grandma had been in the last dream, and everything was dark. I felt like I was actually there. As I had in the last dream, I stayed where I was, wondering how I had managed to travel to my grandma's house again, just trying to focus on myself to see what would happen. Eventually, I grew tired. I imagine because I was using up energy simply by being there, I think. So this time, I let my eyes close, and as I fell asleep again to the experience, the experience ended. Speaking of my grandparents, each came to see me shortly after their passing. After my grandpa passed, I had a dream that I was in the kitchen of their house, sitting on the floor. I know this may seem weird, most people sit on chairs, but I have to be honest, always felt the most comfortable on the floor of any given location, and in the corner, if possible, mainly because in this position, I could be sure that I'd be out of the way in any given situation. I looked up and saw my grandpa also sitting on the floor, which was unusual for him. I was so happy to see him that I practically leapt at him and hugged him, and I could feel him hugging me back. The dream ended shortly after that, but I was okay because I knew he was okay. While I'm talking about this, I have a few funny things to tell you about. After one of the family's usual summer gatherings, my grandma had my older brother go around the house and yard gathering returnable cans and bottles so he could take them to the store. She told him that my grandpa would always take exactly $12 in returns to the store no matter what. My brother found that interesting. He finished getting everything together without worrying about how many bottles and cans there were and took them to the store. He came back and told my grandma that there were exactly 120 bottles and cans in the bag he had gathered and he hadn't left any behind to reach this total and there were no extras. Another incident that I heard about happened when my grandma, my father, and two of his siblings were on their way to see another sibling that lived in another part of the state. My father was very tired and slept most of the way to the restaurant where they were going to have breakfast. It was fall in Michigan. The window next to my father was rolled down, letting a blast of cold air land directly on my father's face. He came to saying, Very funny, Ma. My grandma told him that she hadn't done it. As it turned out, the window could only have been rolled down from a console on the driver's side door. It hadn't been touched by the relative driving the vehicle. Getting back to dreams, sorry about that last tangent, I'm a writer and I love to write about things that interest me. My grandma also came to see me in a dream, but she has always had a very interesting sense of humor. I had a dream that I was sitting in the living room. The furniture that had belonged to my grandparents, but it was all cleared off. None of their other possessions were gone except for my grandma's phone. It sat on the coffee table. I was sitting on the couch next to it and the ringer started. I picked up the phone, but the screen remained blank. I should add that it was my grandma's first smartphone, and she was rather annoyed by it most of the time, but I could tell that it was on. I said hello, and my father said that everyone would be at the house soon. I said okay and put the phone back down on the table. A moment later, the front door opened, and a large group of family members came in, including my grandma. The strange thing is she didn't have either the cane or the walker, she had been forced to use constantly during the last few years of her life. Also, no one talked to her, only to each other, and they seemed less real to me than my grandma did. I followed the group into the dining room, and my grandma sat down in her other favorite chair while everyone spread out through the house and out of my view, because I couldn't take my eyes off my grandma. She was looking around at everyone, perfectly happy, glancing at me from time to time. The dream ended there, and I felt like it was her way of saying that she was okay as well. Thank you for reading my letters and for providing such an interesting show and such an amazing service to all of us who have had experiences we can't quite figure out. Thanks for the letter and uh, sharing your experiences with us. It's always interesting when you feel that you're being visited by a deceased loved one, and I guess the definition that you put on to it being um, 
that loved one that's actually visiting you. I, I personally, I've, I don't think I've ever had that experience where I was visited by a loved one in a dream. I've had dreams of, of deceased loved ones where they've shown up, but I, it always felt somewhat dreamlike to me, but I don't doubt for a second when you, you've had that experience that you, you know, you really feel it, that there's, there's obviously, there is a distinct, different feeling about running into that person, if you will, uh, in your dreams. Very interesting, uh, very interesting stories. You had a lot of them there, so there were so many, too many to uh, to talk about each one. But thank you so much for um, for calling in or for writing in and sharing those stories with us. The number is 855-853-4802. If you like our show, please consider uh, going on to uh, iTunes or Stitcher, whatever platform it is, and leaving a little bit of positivity there. A uh, review would be lovely. Five stars would be great. That helps us also uh, grow there in the ratings and uh, other folks find us as we climb those charts and in turn it ends up getting you a better show and the other night we were talking about uh, poltergeist and the uh, new movie uh, that is coming out this summer the remake of the original and i was saying i don't know how uh, how excited i am about it just because i mean the trailer looks um i mean what's the word you're to, to say here embellished um, a little more, I think, overly produced than I think the first one was. I mean, there were special effects in the first one, but this one just seems, from what I saw in the trailer, looks a little more overboard. But anyway, it always gets me thinking about um, the Poltergeist curse, if you've ever heard of that. I believe there was an E! True Hollywood story about that. Uh, remember, remember E! True Hollywood story? I used to love that show. Anyway, uh, the rumored, we had put a little post up about this on uh, the website uh, last week. If you didn't get a chance to see it, it's up at realghoststoriesonline.com, as is the trailer for the uh, the new Poltergeist, if you want to check that out. You can check it out at realghoststoriesonline.com. Anyway, the Poltergeist curse. I, I found some information. I, I know it exists. I just didn't have all the info the other day when we were talking about it. So I will clarify what exactly it is, in case you're wondering. Uh, it's uh, essentially a, a group of four cast members and crew members uh, that died within six years between the release of the three initial films. So you have a lot of people involved with films. That's you know, without a doubt. So the odds of you know having a couple deaths in there over the course of a span of you know ten years or so, uh, you know, fairly likely. It, it, it's I think the the way in which some of these came about that I think uh, raised the eyebrows of many and the suspicions of was this you know, coincidence or something else at play here. And it's, you know, and plus, you know, if they were doing, <laughs> uh, you know, a, uh, a movie, you know, like a, a family comedy or something of that nature and these things happen, would it still be looked at as a curse? I, I thought of that. And then I, I was reading a little bit more about other movie curses. And there's plenty uh, that are attached to non horror movies when odd things seem to happen. So anyway, um, something you should know, and one of, the, one of the things that it gets attributed to is the fact that uh, real skeletons were used as props in various scenes of Poltergeist 1 and 3. So does that mean they're cursed? Who knows? Um, I mean, honestly, years ago, uh, real-life skeletons were used in quite uh, a few settings, not only, uh, you know, medical studies and uh, classrooms, for example, um, also uh, rides, Disney World, Disneyland, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, a lot of those were real skeletons. It was just what was done before they were able to master really creating lifelike fake ones so that was what was used and some people attribute that for being it but here's those things uh dominique dunn died november 4th 1982 at age 22 after being strangled by her abusive former boyfriend uh julian beck 60 year old actor who played uh, henry kane in the poltergeist 2 sequel died on september 14th 1985 of stomach cancer diagnosed before he had accepted the role will sampson 53 years old 
that is a result of a post-operative kidney failure and pre-operative malnutrition in 1987. And the most famous one, Heather O'Rourke, who died on February 1st, 1988 at the age of 12 during surgery to repair uh, an acute bowel obstruction. So those were the deaths that were surrounded. And there was other things, uh, if you watch that E! True Hollywood story on it, I think you can probably YouTube it. Um, there was a lot of other uh, just uh, unfortunate incidences, not resulting in death, but uh, just negative things that happened to a lot of people uh, involved with the filming of that movie. M- far too many just to list here when we're talking about it, but there was a lot of weird, negative things that surrounded it. So I'm wondering now, will anything happen with the remake that is is coming out? Now that that is, is wrapped up, it's filmed, it's coming out this summer, are we going to start to see anything odd happening around those folks? Or was it unique to the first group? Was there something actually going on on set there? Um, or was it the topic itself? There's a lot of movies about ghosts and paranormal where nothing happens. Is there something attached to the idea of this movie? We'll have to watch and see. Only time will tell, I guess. 855-853-4802. That's our number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share that real ghost story with us. Let's uh, go over here to uh, Deborah Ann. Hi. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jenny. It's a long time no chat. It's Deborah Ann from Ricelip in London. Well, greater London. Uh, really great to hear how many uh, UK folk are writing in with their stories. And Jenny, yeah, it is Hereford, England. In any event, uh, Jenny, you also were mentioning uh, animals when the dog responds. And I kind of dismissed the story that it happened. Remember, I live in a shooter property from 1565 at least and um, I had a few apparitions happen in the past and whatnot. but one day I was out in the garden last summer and uh, Stumps, my Sheltie puppy, was outside with me, just outside the door to the kitchen and he was barking ferociously up in the corner of the kitchen just beyond the entrance to the kitchen by the door that we were stood and I looked and I'm and this was for some time it must have been a good solid minute he was doing this and he's pretty chill and lame and there's lots going on and he's all right but he's never done it since either and I've never had a negative experience in this house it's always been very lovely and positive but uh it does you did jog my memory Jenny and I do wonder what possibly it might have been. Now, I've had some very, as we've said before, dark, tumultuous times in my life. And I just wonder if maybe there was something that had been hanging around me, like a monkey on the back or something, maybe. I don't know, just a random manifestation of negativity. I don't know. Anyway, um, as I said, I dismissed it before because I've never had a negative experience and I didn't see anything. But his behavior was definitely unusual. Uh, and then actually, there's actually a moment that happened many years ago when Wharf Dog, my black and white border collie, who I've mentioned before, um, she, in the middle of the night, only this one time, many years ago, about 15 years ago, went barking in a room, in the corner of the room there. And it, uh, it just threw us. It really kind of spooked us. There I did get a few unusual experiences and feelings and you know had to pray for light or what have you to protect me and squash whatever it was that was scaring me or you know I could feel the oppression um, around me and that home I did have very awful experiences as where all the very nasty evil stuff happened in my life by humans in any event um, whether or not y'all use this never mind it's just nice to say hi and I'm glad y'all are still doing so well Lots of love. Take care and keep it coming. Love y'all. Bye. Thank you, Deborah Ann, for calling in and uh, sharing that story with us. It kind of just goes without saying with something like that. Trust your pets. <laughs> you know, the pets are seeing something, are feeling something, are reacting to something. It's good to be aware. It doesn't always mean that something negative is going to pop out at you or, you know, start plaguing your home. But there's something going on if your your animal is paying attention to something that you can't see. And it could very well just be a mosquito, you know, or a spider or something. But 
It could also be something completely different as well. Our number again, 855-853-4802 to share your stories with us. Shannon writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. It's Shannon again from Spokane. I was raised in a home with a protective entity. I've written or called in about the dream my sister and I both had the night my dad passed. And I also about my nephew uh, talking to my dad, his grandpa, and missing him, even though he never met my dad. The entity was there as long as I can remember, but my dad didn't believe in such things, so they weren't talked about. After my dad passed, my mom admitted that she had had things happen too, and so pretty much the whole family has now owned up to having things happen. This happened while my dad was still alive. I was about eight, and my sisters would have been about 14 and 16. Our parents had gone on a fishing trip, so it was just my sisters and a friend of theirs in the house that day. My brother was older and was out with his buddy somewhere. We lived in a big two-story house with a full basement. The basement wasn't finished, as we know finished basements today, but it had a big coal furnace in a coal room. These old coal furnaces were huge, looked like an octopus with the arms flinging in all directions from the ductwork. I remember those. I remember those are the those are the ones you still see in horror movies where the people just go down to the to the basement and the kids see it and it's like and the mouth opens up. Yeah. Then there was a coal room with a small opening uh, to the outside where they would shoot the coal in until the room was uh, piled about half full with coal. My brother's room was down the stairs in a small pantry about 6 by 10. The rest was uh, open and housed the washer-dryer and a clothesline. Pretty rustic, huh? So on this day, my sisters and I were just hanging out. It was a Saturday afternoon, and we were all in the main floor in the living room when all of a sudden we heard this huge crash in our basement. Of course, being the brave gals that we were, we screamed and ran out of the house to the neighbors. We told them what had happened, and... We begged him to come check it out, so he did. He told us it was probably our older brother playing tricks on us, but we knew he was gone. John came over and checked around the whole main floor of the house, then headed to the basement. He told us to wait upstairs, so we waited at the top of the stairs until he called up for one of us to come down there. He was standing in the doorway to the pantry. Now my family made root beer when I was a kid. I don't remember how it was done, but I remember it had to set after it was bottled for a while. So the root beer that my parents had made had been sitting in the pantry waiting to be ready for consumption. As I said, this pantry was about 6 by 10 and had a shelf about 12 inches wide or 12 feet wide running the length of the room. The bottles of root beer were lined up along the back of the shelf against the wall, one or two bottles deep. John, our neighbor slash hero, showed us that the root beer had merely fallen off the shelf and broken or exploded as carbonated stuff can do. Nothing to be afraid of. He told us to get it cleaned up and tell our folks when they got home what had happened. Yes, in those days our neighbors could boss us around and we were expected to do what they asked. So we started to get it cleaned up, but that's when we started realizing that these bottles couldn't have just fallen off the shelf. The shelf was still solidly anchored on the wall. The root beer and glass was directly underneath the shelf. No root beer was on the shelf itself or up the wall behind the shelf. Now, if this soda pop had exploded, it would have gone up the wall, come down, and drenched the shelf. Actually, the glass would have been on the shelf rather than under it. The wall and the shelf were dry. If the root beer had fallen off the shelf, the shelf would have had to become disconnected from the wall. It was still solid on the wall. If there had been vibration enough for the root beer to jiggle forward enough to fall off the shelf, wouldn't we have heard more than one crash as a few bottles at a time fell until more jiggled forward to fall? And why didn't other things jiggle off the shelves of the pantry before? Okay, even if it did vibrate off the shelf, it would have fallen directly to the floor in front of the shelf, but all the liquid and glass was under the shelf near the wall. We discussed all these things at great length as we cleaned everything up. We even tried to talk to John about it, but he wouldn't even talk about the weirdness of it. It fell off the shelf, and that was that. When our parents got home, we told them about it, and they agreed with the neighbor. It had simply fallen off the shelf. They talked to John, thanked him for helping us, but never would discuss any other options about what happened. I always wondered if John ever admitted to himself that it was weird. As I said, my dad didn't believe in the paranormal or wouldn't admit it. And while he was alive, my mom went along with his beliefs. 
But after he passed away, I did talk to my mom and she agreed that it was strange, although she never saw the mess, so could only go by what my sisters and I had told her. We talked a lot about uh, other things that happened in the house and came to the conclusion that the entity who resides there is very protective of us and the house. I believe that there was something wrong with the root beer and we may have become ill if we had drunk any of it. None of the other batches of root beer ever exploded and nothing else in the pantry ever fell off the shelf. I remember this so distinctly and my sisters and I have talked about it and we still believe it was protecting the family. It isn't so bad to have a built-in protector in your home once you get used to it. Thanks for letting me share, and thanks for bringing all of us believers together. Blessings to you both and your listeners, too. Shannon from Spokane. Shannon, thanks for the, the story uh, and, and writing into us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. One of those things, I wonder if your dad did believe. I wonder if the neighbor believed something had happened, but sometimes just the thought with some people of having to accept something that is so ingrained in you as uh, not being true as being true is almost a scarier proposition than the event itself now you see that every day in in all sorts of thinking outside of the paranormal just trying to accept something that's not uh you know, what, what you was ingrained in you, you know, just having to question what you have always thought to be true is a scary proposition for a lot of folks. And I wonder if that could be the case there, especially if maybe there was other events in, in either of their lives that could have been also paranormal, but if it was explained away another way, that was good enough and time went on and they were fine with it. Could that have been the case there? I don't know. 855-853-4802 is our number. Let's go to Gina in Arizona. Hi. Hi, my name is Gina Perez. Um, pretty much in Arizona. Uh, I've lived here my whole life, but I've also gone to California and uh, gone to some of the hotels out there. I have three quick stories. Um, the first one is kind of a happy, cheery, sort of weird thing that's happened my whole life. Um doesn't matter where I'm at. Um, I've studied abroad. I've gone, you know, to different places around the nation. There's always something or someone that ends up telling me, you'll be okay. So, for example, I had just started college, and I was a little lost, but I knew where I was going. Um, so, I was new to the town. I was just kind of exploring the downtown area, and uh and I was just listening to my music with my headphones. Um, I'm going over towards the, the back of a building, kind of just exploring the alleys, and there's also a nice little park near there. I was passing through the park, and on a bench, there, were, there was an old couple, um, an older man and an older woman. They kind of look like the type of couple that would just go out and feed the pigeons for fun. Uh, and, you know, I was just minding my own business, and I passed them, and they look up, and they said, you'll find where you need to go, um, just don't look so lost. And I was like, what? Uh, okay. And I walked just like, maybe five or six steps, and I was like, I'm just going to turn around again. And, and they were gone. I mean, they were pretty old, so probably would have taken them some time to get up and leave, but... They were gone, and that's happened to me so many times. There's random people come up to me, homeless people, people on the beach, people in the city. Just me walking around in a bookstore, they will just come up to me and say something to that effect, and it's really strange. Um, I kind of find it comforting. I may think that maybe it's like guardian angel. I'm not particularly religious, so I, I'm not sure. Um, and I'm not really close to any of the relatives that have passed away in my family, so... I, I don't, I can't put a finger on that. Um, so that's the first story. Second story is uh, my experience with a haunted table that would float. Um, <laughs> this table was my best friend at the time in high school. Uh, she, um, her grandmother lived across the street from her, and we went over to her house. It's a small, tiny house, and when you enter immediately, you went into the dining room. 
um, next to the living room. And uh, in the corner, there was this folded up old poker table. Nothing special, no markings on it, just, you know, plain old wood. Uh, one of those that you just kind of pull out if you're going to have uh, extra guests to eat dinner on. And then uh, her grandmother was like, hi, what do you guys want to do? And Mandy, that was her name, she was like, hey, let's, uh, let's pull out the table. I was like, wait, what? It was me, my friend, and my best friend. We were there, and she's like, okay. Uh, the grandmother said, okay. So she pulled it out. She unfolded it. She removed the original table that was there. And uh, all she started doing was clapping at it. And and while she was clapping at it, she told us to put our hands, maybe a finger or two, on the table and just concentrate on giving it energy. And so she started clapping at it, yelling, come on, let's go, get up, get up. And all of a sudden, the table started moving. And to this day, it's like, but did that really happen? But the table started moving and sitting in circles. And it's to the point where it was spinning and it got, it didn't float. Um, apparently that day it really was a little sluggish, is what the grandmother said. But it, it got up to the point where it was just standing on one leg. And I swear, I didn't have my, my hands underneath it. Nobody else was touching it. The grandma was just clapping at it. Um, she wasn't even touching it herself. We were just, we had our hand on it on the top of the table. Uh, and it was just the weirdest experience. I didn't, I didn't really feel threatened or anything, but, uh, I honestly think that that was the coolest, most paranormal thing I've ever experienced. And the third one is I was visiting the Hotel Carmel in Santa Monica, California. And uh, it's really close to the beach, really pretty. We were on the second floor. I had heard that the second floor was the most haunted, that um, somebody had fell down the stairs during the fight and they died at the, the bottom of the second floor stairs. Um, and I told my friend, do not, do not go to the second floor. I, I really want to go to Santa Monica, but I kind of want to sleep. And, uh, yeah, so we ended up on the second floor. She said that our, that our uh, reservations were messed up. I'm thinking she just did it on purpose. So I went on, uh, so we went to sleep that night. I had had maybe a little too much to drink. And I thought, okay, with this much to drink in my system, I should not wake up. It was around the time of days that I was waking up at two o'clock in the morning or so every night feeling a little weird well doesn't matter how many how much I drank I still woke up that night and seconds before something happened I just woke up like like I had never been asleep to begin with and uh the light turned on and I left the tv on so the time I like sleeping with the tv it made me comfortable in, in foreign areas um and then the volume went up on the tv and I was like, uh, uh, I don't like that. No, 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 no. Uh, and I, I looked to my friend. She's sleeping in the bed with me. And she's like, there's no one here. And there's two other people in the other bed in the room. And they're asleep. They're, they, they're not getting up. And I'm just flabbergasted at the fact that they didn't see that the light turned on. And the fact that the TV volume went up. And I just, I couldn't. I couldn't. I was like, I can't with this. And uh, I just put my head under the blanket. And then all of a sudden, my friend freaked me out by by touching my shoulder, saying, did you turn on the light? As soon as I went from under the cover, she was like, ah, she, she, told, she told me that it looked like I had had little spiders on my face or something. And I was like, no, no spiders. Um, so, you know, we, we that morning when we all got up, we left and I was talking about it and I was like, look, I, I don't know what happened last night, but I really didn't like that. Like, I kind of wanted to sleep and I had a lot to drink. Um, and our friend's little girl was jumping on one of our beds and the fan was on. Now, the fan had a button and that button had to be pushed in order to start the fan. That fan... It, it, it turned off, but not, not in the way that it, you turn it off and it slowly stops. It, the fan turned off with the button still intact, indicating that it should be on, and the fan stopped in its tracks. Like, it didn't, it didn't just slowly go. It, it, it stopped. And I looked at it, I'm like, what the hell just happened? 
And we were preparing to leave, so we were like, see ya, room, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, and it was the, the anticlimactic feel that I got out of that hotel, even though I really didn't want anything else to happen. Um, so those are my three stories. Um, I plan on becoming an EVP here pretty soon. Uh, I think this is an excellent show, and I am so tempted to just not not uh, hear any of your show until I go on vacation so that I have something to hear while I'm out. And, you know, because I binge on you guys a lot. Um, you guys are awesome. I think you guys are hilarious. And, you know, a long time ago you guys had that episode where you called shadow people were like chicken nuggets or, or uh, you know, ghosts were like chicken strips. And I... <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. Um, have a good day. Thank you for uh, calling in and sharing those stories with us. Very, very interesting. It sounds like you've had quite a few paranormal uh, experiences in life, all very different, which is uh, kind of refreshing. Because a lot of times it's it's someone being plagued by something throughout their life and it won't go away. It sounds like you've actually kind of got to have the gamut of the... Uh, <laughs> the amusement park of paranormal activity, uh, if you will. Um, something I wanted to, to bring up about the first story that you had where uh, you said, are those guardian angels that are coming up to you and saying things? I don't know if it's necessarily that. We've talked to a lot of people. Um, if you remember, there's a woman who listens to our show uh, from the beginning. Her name is uh, Cisco. And uh, there's some other folks, too, who've listened to our show and have written in and shared stories where sometimes... Just the living people, not ghosts, are are driven to really essentially go up to random people with messages that they feel they are receiving from the other side and give them to them. Not everyone does it, but some people have seen the benefits of that and uh, sometimes a look of confusion and horror on the people that they're giving the message to and sometimes the the look of relief and oh my gosh that's amazing how did you know that how are you giving me this message so it could very well just be that although the 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 couple that you found uh, in the park the pigeon watchers that disappeared yeah i i could go with that one being uh, maybe they weren't really alive I, I, I would probably venture to say that, but you said you have other people doing that at, at bookstores and such. I could see it being a combination of uh, of actually having ghosts and real people uh, communicating with you on, on, on some different levels. So thanks again for uh, calling in and sharing that, uh, that great story with us. Our number is 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. Remember, if you like the show, please consider becoming an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. Get a bonus episode of the show every single week, 28 of them all set for you when you sign up. Only five bucks a month and a brand new episode, like I said, every week. And your support is what keeps our ship afloat. So please, uh, please consider doing that. Online at realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Thank you.